This podcast is brought to you by Mezcala Nursery, located at 6901 Orange Avenue, Long Beach, California, 90805. Mezcala is family-owned, family-ran since 2007. This is the house of succulents growing grounds, you guys. I'm talking everything you can possibly imagine in the succulent realm, from your common everyday plants to more rare and obscure imports. They have all kinds of different cacti and euphorbias. They can service your landscaping needs. And they have a bunch of hoop houses dedicated to houseplants. And I go to Sergio anytime I have to do a pop-up. Anytime I'm going to do a pop-up, I go to them and I keep my shop stocked by supporting Mezcala. They have everything you need in one place. Mezcala is also on Instagram, at Mezcala Nursery. They keep their stories updated daily of these plants that can come and go really quickly. You could miss it. Make sure to go show them some love. It's also very family-friendly, and the customer service is on point. I'm there all the time. I bring my kids with me. They always have a great time. 6901 Orange Avenue, Long Beach, California, 90805, Mezcala Nursery. Welcome back to If Plants Could Talk. This is Garrett. I'm your host. This conversation took place on July 11th, 2021 with my guest, Coco Geek Plants. Joseph is a East Coast-based collector of succulents, carnivorous plants, and orchids. I would say that he is a grower in addition to being a collector. He is the self-proclaimed king of hashtag Echeveria Zichuensis, <laughs> which I just learned about for the first time today. Joseph is extremely knowledgeable and intelligent. He is full of all kinds of information about these plants, and I really enjoyed having him on. I believe that he has tons more that he can share with us, so I did ask him if he would consider being a reoccurring guest, and I love that he's from a slightly different sector of the community, and it's something I've been wanting to tap into I think he did an excellent job, and I hope that you guys enjoy. Make sure to go check him out. He's on Instagram, at Coco Geek Plants. He also has a website in the link in his bio. I will plug that in the description here. I believe from time to time he sells some plants, and he does have some merch available at this moment. So go check him out. Show him some love. Here's Joseph. Coco Geek Plants, Joseph. Hello. What's up, Joseph? Nothing much. Um, I'm excited to be here. We've been talking about it for a little over a month or so. So a couple this months. Is exciting. Welcome yeah. to the Thank show. You for having me. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for being willing to do so. Where in the world are you talking to me from? I'm in North Carolina. Um, so across the country from all of my plant friends. <laughs> Three hour time difference. Yes. It's almost mm-hmm. six o'clock, huh? Yeah. Sun's going down um, pretty soon and it's going to rain. So hopefully you don't hear that too much. How is the weather over there usually like in this? You guys get rain in the summer? Oh, yeah. I mean, it rains um, almost every day in the summer here. What? Um, So, you know, it's not easy to grow succulents here. Obviously, it's not where they grow natively. Um, But yeah, usually at some point during the day it rains. Hmm. Not fun. And it's hot too, you know, like. 90s every day 
my plants are in like mini greenhouses so they can even get up to like 115 hot and rainy yes and humid <laughs> sounds like the your your weather over there is confused yeah <laughs> is it it's pretty hot where you are right i'm sweating right now yeah it's pretty warm i think it's like only in the 80s though at the okay. low 80s right now something like that okay that's not too bad yeah so do, is it do you ever have to like utilize cooling for your greenhouse oh oh cooling um i have fans on 24 7 365 um but i don't really have any cooling beyond that you know there are like humidifier cooling things you can get um but they cool down your space by letting out like cold water like humidity and that's just i don't need more humidity Mm. um so my plants have just kind of adjusted to it um i water them more in the summer like everybody um i have like my dad and i made these greenhouses and so they have little doors so I try to open the doors um, when I wake up because if I don't, then it gets to be like 110 in there, um, wow. which is pretty hot for the genus I grow, mainly Echeveria. Mm-hmm. Um, but during the winter, I heat it with little heaters. It's just like one outlet heater that heats up the space, which is nice. So you're dropping down pretty cold in the winter? Yeah, it gets um, even like maybe like high 20s you know, Fahrenheit, um, in the winter. Wow. And so I have maybe like three or four succulents I can keep outside in that, but the rest either have to be inside a greenhouse or like inside a home. So are you keeping some outside, uh, and then moving them indoor during certain seasons? Yeah, I try, um, like, it's nice to have some not in a greenhouse, not anywhere, just like plain outside. Yeah. Um, and mainly, like, I do that for my cacti. Um, and I just have to move them, in, have to make space in my mini greenhouses or move them inside for the season, um, which stinks, but that's just what you got to do. Yeah, well, that's dedication. At least you care enough it, to it do it. Is it below freezing where you are? No, no. Like, a cold night here is like 45 degrees. Oh, oh, okay. That's <laughs> like, like as cold as it gets, you know, unless okay. there's well, maybe, maybe some record times aside from okay. that. But, yeah, that's ideal for your plants, at least. Yeah, yeah. thankfully. Yeah. The only time I ever have to do anything like that is if it rains when I have cuttings, like fresh cuttings or clippings. I'll have to, like, move them, you know, because I don't want mm-hmm. them to get all soaked up and try to keep them dry for, like, a month or so, usually. But... um that's cool, man. Uh, your humidity is extremely high too, right? Yeah. Um, easily, you know, 80s wow. on a day that it doesn't even rain. Mm. It's just ambient. So there's a lot of, you know, difficulties in growing desert plants in an environment like this, but people do it. Making do it, it that much know? more interesting, in my opinion, yeah. actually. Yeah, And it's it's hard because you can't really take other people's advice unless they yeah. grow in my area you know and so you and i probably use completely different soil mixtures but yeah they still grow and how 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 many people do you know in your area that are doing this as well it's a good question i could probably i think i can name four different people um wow yeah and i mean the people that i do know they use greenhouses or they grow only indoors um and i mean it's possible 
Mm. And uh, what's his name? Aloe Frost, I think. He's like a big potter. Mm. He's in North Carolina. I don't know. I assume he grows plants. But he's a, he's a big name in like the cactus pottery world as well. Okay. Okay. Seems now, has it, it hasn't always been just succulent or hasn't always been the sole focus being succulents, correct? I, I tuned into yeah, a no. golden hour and I apologize if I, if we re like go over some of the things you talked about there, but you know, I love it. Um, I, yeah, I started out with orchids, I would say, mm. um, you know, I think like a lot of people will just buy a succulent at the, the, you know, the grocery store or like a farmer's market. And it's just like, oh, you have one or two succulents around. But orchids were like my first main love. Um, my grandma had a lot of orchids. I feel like a lot of people had grandmas with orchids. I always like hear stories of like they inherited their grandma's orchids. Well, that's what I did is I inherited her orchids after she passed. And um, I underwatered them, like killed them all. Super sad. Oops. Learned from it. But um, now I can keep orchids alive. And um they, I keep them inside, not even like a greenhouse. Um, my favorite genus to grow is Phalaenopsis orchids, mm -hmm. which are like the basic kind. They're the most popular genus, you know, um, buy them at grocery stores and that kind of stuff. But, sure. you know, as with anything, the deeper you get into it, there's more than just the basic species. Um, and so then I, I used to have a lot more orchids than I do. Um, some of them might have passed away from neglect <laughs> or mm -hmm. I gave them new homes. Um, but over time, succulents became more of my love simply because I think I just had m more like access to them, even though like I have to order all of my succulents online. Like I can't go to, you know, green touch nursery or something and go buy them in person. But the online orchid world wasn't as vast when I was, mainly into them mm. here's some phalaenopsis right here that's my first one of my first tattoos that's awesome i have a phalaenopsis tattoo on my leg as well awesome yeah i got it when i was like 16 something like that that's my first <laughs> that's love awesome. too my first love too. Love, love orchids and, and yeah even the basic ones of course they're they're beautiful they're absolutely beautiful how do they do there uh, is it tricky at all no i since i grow them fully inside i have no problem um lighting is the main thing sure um just you know we don't get as much sun as like you would perhaps um well that also could depend on where you are i live near a bunch of trees so um but the humidity is good for them do you supplement and, lighting at all or yeah i did do grow lights for them um when they were my main love and then <laughs> i sacrificed those them and gave the grow lights to the succulents <laughs> but oh, yeah. Um, yeah, they were happier when I gave them grow lights, but they do fine just in a southern facing window. And over there, how often are you watering those and caring for those? If I was the best plant parent ever, I would probably water them um, like every week and a half. I do them. I water them through bottom watering. Mm -hmm. I have them in like some um, it's like mesh pots, super aerated pots and um just kind of let the roots and the substrate soak up the water yeah i found that's a similar thing that they they like to have some time between waterings for sure it's really easy to overdo it and really easy to underdo it yeah very finicky I mean, actually i've definitely let um, some of my phalaenopsis go without water for 
like three months or so and mm-hmm. they're thirsty, but they survived. Yeah. Um, but I think it's so much easier to overwater them, like yeah, you said. For sure. People, and especially, you know, if you keep them in the container, you buy them from like in a grocery store, for example. Mm-hmm. Super easy. For sure. For sure. Do you still have some growing, some orchids? I have a few, yeah. Maybe three. I used to have like my house filled with them. Like my when I was maybe eighteen, nineteen, I had shelves on the walls just covered in orchids. I would order online even back then from Florida, from the nursery in Florida. I really like Vandas, but I like Phalaenopsis and Cymbidiums. There's another one called like Omcidium. Omcidium, yeah. Yeah. I really like those too. Like the ones that look like little, little they look like little dragons or like butterflies kinda. Yeah, when they bloom. Yeah. Like, yeah, I have an Oncidium that has like it, they look like little people or something. It's super cute. And trippy. Yeah. yeah. I like cool. them. Awesome. And now take me to the beginning. When did that all start? I heard you had your first greenhouse in early days. Yeah, that's true. Um, it, I had my first like greenhouse probably when I was like seven or something. Um, you know, it was one of those kind of walk-in plastic greenhouses you can get from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I did a bunch of vegetables, you know, like go to my farmer's market and, um, get some starters. Um, I really liked growing peppers because they were just fruitful. You just kind of let the pollinators do their thing. Um, but of course I didn't really eat peppers then I'm still a picky eater, but (laughs) I like peppers now. Mm. Um, and some tomatoes as well, but that was pretty much it. Oh, I did one of my favorite plants. Um, that was one of my first plants to ever grow is Columbine. Um, it's this flowering, like mini shrubber, you could say. Um, and it, it was just a good memory because I was like maybe 10 or so at the farmer's market. And I was asking the farmer, like, how do I take care of this little plant that you're selling this Columbine? And he told me it and I was like, okay, how much is it? And he's like, no, you can just have it free. And so like, that was just like a good memory, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'll always think of that um, when I think of these columbines and I want to get one tattooed on me at some point. They have these really cool kind of like upside down flowers. Mm. Um, I don't have any now, but that is a plant I eventually want to do sometime again. They're good for outdoors here. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was basically it. I would have some little vegetables, some little random starter plants and um I got into succulents again, or not again. I got into succulents 2017, I think. Um, visited the West Coast, and they were just everywhere. You know, mm. you, you look around the corner, and there's just succulents growing on the curb. And I was like, okay, maybe maybe I should try that. Wow. I did. Wow. And yeah. you, did you start with Echeverias? I didn't. Um I think you could say my, I mean, if I exclude random, like, you know, cactus, I would just get as a gift or something. Like the first succulent I bought with the intention of having a collection, um, I think was a Semper Vivum, you know, super, I mean, depending on the species, super basic, easy growing, um, one of the few succulents you can grow outside here year round because they're frost hardy. Um, and then after that, I think my second one was an Ionium, another succulent genus. Um, I only have like two or three Ioniums now. They're not my favorite because they are dormant during the summer Mm -hmm. and I'm tired of looking at dormant things. 
and it's just I don't need that many they're just going to sleep um but there are some pretty ones out there and then yes I dig into Echeverria's after that um I had a lot of domestic ones you know buy them from friends or local nurseries and then I got one or two imported ones and then I got into orchids and cacti and then I was into orchids and cacti for a little over two years Mm -hmm. um but cacti were just too slow growing for me especially in my climate you know there's like three good solid growing months and then the rest is just too cold or not enough light and I was like uh-uh, that's it we're gonna <laughs> change it up those are like complementary species like totally opposites I feel like yeah I know right it's I jumped around and so I had you know experience with different you know genera and so I still have a few you know I still have cacti um but they're just so slow. I mean, of course, it depends on the genus, but um, my echeverias grow faster, and I like seeing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So do you have quite the uh, diverse uh, collection of echeverias, imports, and multicolors, and all those crazy? Yeah. They get crazy. Um, I mean, it's like endless. Yeah, it's now with just hybrids. I mean, it just goes on and on. You know, there's thousands and thousands of hybrids you could collect um i probably i have a little under 300 echeverias wow (laughs) Um, yeah and i like small plants the you know more small they are the more you can have in general and you get to see them grow yeah and so um most of them are in like two to five inch pots and um i prefer collecting species in general i think because they just have a little bit more pizzazz, in my opinion, you know, like they have a history. They, um, I can see when they were first described, you know, who discovered it using um, air quotes. And then, you know, it's more, I feel like it's more widespread because a species is universal, right? You know, a hybrid that one person makes is not as commonly known. And, um, mm-hmm. but of course I do have many more hybrids than species just because they're more readily available. They're what sells or they're, they are what sell really. Now, a lot of people are doing these hybridizations domestically now, correct? Yeah. Like what and was once imported may very well be domestic. Totally. Yeah. And it's, there's good and bad reasons for that. Well, I don't know if there's a bad reason. It's good because, um, it'll, it's just cheaper in general, you know, sure. uh, you don't have to import them. Um, but usually they look a little different. Um, in Korea, they use a lot of grow lights or they have perfected the amount of um, light in their greenhouses so that the plants are much more compact and much more colorful. So um, an imported plant versus a domestic plant of the same species or hybrid can look vastly different. Um, and the price can be different. You know, I, There's one hybrid that I have, Echeveria scorpion or Scorpio. And I paid probably 12 more dollars than I could have if I bought it domestically. But it just looked so much better, in my opinion, domestic, mm. if it was imported. Mm. You know what? I very I have a great appreciation for them. They're so beautiful. They're cute. They're really cute. Like, I would love to have a tray of them, like, with different ones and just keep them for fun, maybe even inside with a little light. But... um I think about it all the time. I, I don't know, man. I'm not good with them. They're really, Echeverias are finicky to me. They're very finicky. And I hate when their leaves brown. Like, then I feel like I'm doing something wrong. If, even just like the lower, maybe it's natural. I don't know. But 
they brown and then I get all sad. I don't know. Cactus don't they lose are, their leaves. Yeah, they're very <laughs> finicky. Um, and I think that's part of the reason I like them is it gives me something to do. It's a you lot know, of work, I mean, huh? Yeah, it is a lot of work. And, you know, I, there's multiple echeverias that I check on every day or multiple times a day. Wow. Make sure they're alive, you know, because I just I went from cacti where I'd be sitting for two months and it looks the same, you know. And so I, I wanted something completely different where I would need all this attention or it would need all this attention. Mm. And do you ever cross them yourself? Yeah, I have. Um, this summer I did do a few hybrids. Um, I have one that is already growing, but then the rest are just kind of in seed form right now. Like mm. I haven't um, tried to grow them yet. Now, do you cross pollinate the same way you would with any other kind of plant? Yeah. You know, like I've tried it with Gymna Coliseum before and I do the same thing, just simple paintbrush method. Mm. Um, I've been reading about how in other countries they're trying to use pollinators to make hybrids, but that's just like messy because you can't, you know, you can't tell the hummingbird use this and this, you know, the hummingbird is going to do whatever it wants right. to do. So yeah. what, like they like in, have an enclosure and then they release pollinators into it? Yeah, it's very like secretive because, you know, it's like a money business. But from what I've heard is, you know, they'll have a big greenhouse and they'll have hundreds of two species. And so they put a bunch of pollinators and the pollinators only have, you know, two options to or one option to combine the two species. But I don't see why you can't just do a paintbrush. But that's probably a manpower thing. You know, you have hundreds of plants. You don't have the time to each one yeah and who knows or maybe there's something slightly different about that but that that would be kind of cool that sounds fun yeah to do it would be cool to also look at you know like the strength of the hybrids made by natural pollinators or manual stuff yeah yeah that's cool so what what does a day look like in the care of uh your echeverias um in the summer where they're growing a lot I try to open my greenhouses when I wake up um, and to let out all the hot air from that morning. And um, I usually look for some plants that need to be watered. I water plants every day and that confuses people. I don't water every plant every day. I just water every day. Mm. So that might mean I water one plant a day or it might mean I'm watering 15 or 20. You stagger. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And so that way I don't have a day where I'm watering hundreds of plants, you know? Yeah. Um, And so I bottom water almost every single plant I own. And so um, that means, you know, when I'm checking my plants in the morning, I'm looking for thirsty plants um, and set them in water and usually take them out the next day or later that night. Hmm. And then I check the greenhouse a couple of times a day. Um, They obviously didn't grow since the last time I saw them, but... (laughs) I bought them to look at them. So I just go check on them. Um, I've recently been getting into carnivorous plants again. And so I will like feed them or check on them. You know, they're finicky in their own way. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of check them out, say hi. You know, they sit in water all the time. At least my ones do. And um, mosquito larvae get in the water. So I have to like clean out the water. Mm. Uh, general maintenance and i love the maintenance i love the just the bump it bump it bump of it you know i just i think it's fun um i don't love repotting plants but i'll do it if i see one that's desperately in need of it we're opposites on that 
Really? You like, <laughs> I like to plants? garden, but I don't like watering and caring. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. And the care part is fun to me, but I'm I'm tired of mixing soil. You know, mm. getting all the ingredients. We and, have like, a lot of plants. Food. You have a lot of plants. Yeah, and I I'm just like so. Um, I'm really focused on trying not to contaminate anything that it's just not fun to me when I mix soil or repot things, you know, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this tool has to be here. Blah, blah, blah. So it's just like super sterile in your spot. I try to keep it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I still have pests right now. I have a mite outbreak. Um, and it's thankfully the treatments are almost done. If there's like the specific, um, mite that likes to attack soft succulents like echeverias. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm try to be as careful as I can, but of course it's just unavoidable at times. Sure. Yeah. What are you using to do that? I use a three in one pesticide and it's by Bayer BioAdvanced. Mm-hmm. And, um, I spray almost every single plant in my collection and, um, I have to get under the leaves, which is hard to like reach everybody because that's where the, the mites live. Yeah. Um, and I have to do that treatment at least three times a week apart um, to hit all the life stages of this mite. Super frustrating. <laughs> but I also am using ground cinnamon mixed with like boiling water. Once it cools down, I put it on the plant because the cinnamon can... Um, from what I've heard and kind of what I've experienced, it can suffocate the eggs and keep mites away. Mm. But the, like pretty much all of July and half of June, it's just been treating my plants and it's not a pretty process. You know, I'm not as organized as I am right now because everybody's spread out, but it'll be worth it at the end. It sounds like it's like a treatment is the spray. And then it's like almost like a maintenance preventative with the cinnamon in a sense. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. And you have to go aggressive with the chemicals because it's mites, right? They're really yeah. hard to kill. They're, They're really, really and, yeah. yeah. And these aren't spider mites. Like when you think of house plants or even, you know, cacti get red spider mites and stuff. Yeah. These are microscopic. And so I literally <laughs> pull out a microscope <laughs> to inspect leaves. Um, if I think about it. it's ridiculous, but it's how I diagnose it. <laughs> hey, you care about your plants. That's fine. Um, I had a question about that. Oh, you do it at night? You treat uh, at night? Retreating? Yeah. Yeah, I try to. Um, I'm also a beekeeper, and so I do have bees near me. And um, thankfully, like, I can kind of keep my plants enclosed in their greenhouse if they're, um, you know, actively wet with pesticide. Um, but it's better when I, if I do it at night or when, I'm, when the bees are asleep um, or if it's raining, for example. Mm. Um, I, what I use is technically a systemic, which means it stays in the plant and makes each part of the plant toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, but most systemics are like three months or so. They let, meaning they keep the plant toxic for that long. Um, but mine is about two weeks. And so that means, um, if I spray it and then like two weeks later, a bug goes to eat it, the bug isn't going to necessarily die because the plant has kind of washed out mm-hmm. the systemic. And so I like having it be shorter because I have bees near me and in case I want plants to bloom, they won't die from that. But um, I forget what you originally asked. Oh yeah, nighttime. What, how, I, when, when are you treating? Yeah, honestly, it's also just when it's not crazy hot and in direct sun. So that's usually 
yeah you know dinner time kind of like 7 p.m 8 p.m i think it's a common mistake because like as a seller i get people that will get pests and then they'll message me and they'll just send me by the time they did it they treated it in the morning and their plants black <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah like, as well. common mistake is yeah people will yeah. treat during the day i always try to treat for pests at night or in the evening but um I had something else about the bee. Oh, I love that you're a beekeeper. That's awesome. One, because you're saving the bees. And two, because keeping bees is fucking cool. I have a friend called Pollen Arts. Shout out to Pollen Arts They're on Instagram. They make their own beeswax candles from the bees that they keep. And she's also one of those people. She's been doing it for like 20 years where they go in and like the neighbor wants to kill these kill these bees. And she'll go in and barehanded salvage the hive yeah. and bring it up to her house and get the queen and all that and it's really really cool man I, I actually always wanted to do that do you have like a drawer set up kind of thing one of those yeah um those are called i forget lang they look something. like drawers right yeah um technically yes that is the one that my bees are in now um previously i used a top bar which is a different kind um the one that looks like drawers, the name is blanking. I think it starts with an L. Okay. That's the most common one here. And um, I don't personally love it. It's what I was trained on, though. Mm-hmm. Um, top bar is a different one that I think is easier to examine and such. But, mm-hmm. yeah, they are in the drawer one. Cool. Do you have the whole outfit and thing with the hood? I do, yeah. I went to B school with my dad, actually. Wow. It was like a night school program thing. Uh-huh. Um, and... I, it was, I mean, I was still in high school when I did it. And so that's where you like get a lot of training. That's where you learn how to take care of them. And they definitely tell you, you know, it's not easy, at least in the beginning. Um, And so that's where I got all of the information to do it. So I totally suggest if anyone's interested, look for your um, local bee association or beekeeping association. Um, That's mine was hosted by my local beekeeping association. And um, I learned all the tools I needed. And I also got access to a community where we could share supplies and stuff. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's it was awesome. nice. Do you get, your, I, do you harvest honey? Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I do not. Um, my, I mean, I got bees just to have them, you know, just to have them as a pollinator. Um, mm-hmm. And where I live, there's a lot of trees, but there's also a lot of development. And so um, I personally believe like this would be a great spot for there to be more pollinators. Um, and I could um, about retrieve the honey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just have no interest to, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, that it is a very stressful process for the bees. Um, but of course, you, it can be done and it can be done safely. Um, but they work so hard for their honey, you know, and it's just like, you're taking it all away. And so it's different when it's on like a commercial scale because it's like, oh, okay. If you took too much honey from one hive, oh, well, but like, this is my one hive, you know, I don't want to mess it up. They worked hard for it. Yeah. That's understandable. But I do have the whole suit, like you said. Um, but I only found out I was allergic to bees after I had them. Oh my God. No, you're not. (laughs) Yeah. So thankfully i don't do much of the maintenance anymore um and they don't need much maintenance anymore now that they're more established um i just appreciate them from afar man is it bad do you get like anaphylaxis no i didn't i just had um asthma for i mean like i'm an asthmatic and so i had moderate asthma for a few days Mm. and it was enough to make me not want to 
hang out with them again. <laughs> but, you know, for the first, like for the first year and a half I had beefs, you know, I always wanted to be in the hive, always wanted to hang out with them. Well, sometimes, it, other times it would just be too hot. Mm. But now I, I've done it. Now they're alive, they're self-sufficient. And I'm like, you do you, boo. I'll, I'll watch you. Okay. Yeah. So have you always been like this? It sounded like it. I mean, you had the, the greenhouse when you were a kid, but like, have you always had this like caretaker for nature quality about yourself? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I've always liked nature. Um, I just kind of, you know, I like plants. Um, I appreciate, you know, crystals. And like I study mm. environmental science. Okay. Um, and it's just kind of... I have always liked it. You know, I've, I've wanted to be a teacher since I was in kindergarten. Um, so I know I don't want, I mean, I, I one day may want to change, a, you know, a career path or something. So I've always known I wanted to do education, but I've always had an appreciation for science and nature. Mm, and why not uh, teach science and nature? Topics? I know, right? I, I kind of want to. Um, I want to teach elementary. Mm -hmm. um, I've known I want to teach elementary, you know, since like kindergarten. Um, and so in my school growing up, there was an elementary science teacher. Um, but that's not always in all schools. You know, it's kind of like you are a fourth grade teacher. You teach math and history and science and stuff. everything. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, if I went, if I studied middle school education or high school or, you know, higher education, that would be more of an option, but I have my whole life ahead of me. So I'm sure if I don't want to do elementary, I can try science or something. How old are you again? I'm 20. Okay. So you're just like second year, third year college. Something like yeah, that. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. That's cool. Hey, but you know what? Uh, generally from what I, especially the, I was speaking to this, somebody that like I look to as a teacher and uh, she says like your inner child always knows. Like it sounds like you knew that back in the day that that's what you wanted. And, when you sometimes you'll at least for me I veered off course but then found my way back to what I originally wanted you know okay. it's like that's good to know you probably probably were right with that you know and it yeah. sounds like you're really passionate and knowledgeable about it and yeah anyways I I think that's well, awesome good to know. thank you yeah I think that's awesome Exciting. cool cool um I was actually gonna ask you what you study because mm -hmm. I was curious uh, would you be down to fill some questions. Yeah, totally. Cool. I got some. All right. Listener submitted questions. Oh. Thank you guys for submitting questions. It's exciting. Yeah, I should have had them more handy. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Here they are. First one comes from K9000. What is your favorite Echeveria species and why? Oh, this is easy. Um, Echeveria zichuensis is my favorite species. Um, it is a small rosette. Well, it can't be small. It's a rosette forming Echeveria with um, pretty gray coloring. And they grow these really fascinating facets on their leaves. Um, so it looks pretty geometric. And they don't have farina or they have very little farina, which mm -hmm. I love. That means I can touch the leaves all I want without any regrets of messing up how they look. And um, they were very, very uncommon here for a while. Um, I spent two years looking for just one and then I found one. 
And um, then I started posting them a bunch and um, eventually they are much more common now. And so you can go to Etsy and find one. Um, mm. But they are tissue culturing them and the cologne that they selected is not as pretty as they are in the wild, unfortunately. Say the name three times fast, please. Zichuensa, Zichuensa, Zichuensa. It's X-I-C-H-U, Zichu. I think I've asked a native speaker if that's how you say it, and I believe that's what they said. Um, so they grow in Zichu, Guanajuato, Mexico, and um, the sorry, what? Oh, no. Oh, oh, okay. And I so was then still laughing. And, yeah, and then the ensis part means like from. So Zichu ensis, they're from Zichu, Guanajuato, Mexico. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. So you're like, you like go deep into these. Oh yeah. I mean, I love species because then I can get really specific. And right now I'm working on a project of collecting succulents that are from Zichu or very near that area. So I can have like a little Zichu pot. Of... Zichuensis. Yes. Cool. Uh, why? Them... Did, did you say why? He, he, he asked what? What is your favorite? But what, oh, but okay. Why? And then why do I like them? Yeah. Um, my friend Reagan rocks your sucks. Mm -hmm. I think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Um posted one back in like 2018 and I was like oh my gosh that is the coolest looking plant because most echeverias are very colorful or they have like a bluish sheen to them and this one was just flat out gray mm -hmm. and I was like whoa and it has these like facets on them and so I was just so fascinated by the otherworldly aspect of them that I was like I need one is it and like muted it is very muted and it's matte as well and it, it's just it's so mm -hmm. unlike any other echeveria I mean, there's a few that are great, but I was like, this is it. This is mine. And um, I've quickly gained a large collection of them um, from different places around the world. But they're, they're a lot more common now, which is good and bad. Mm. Well, watch yeah. me start buying Echeverios because of this. I have an <laughs> orange Monroe, but um, that's a nice one. you're inspiring me to, to get more into it just a little bit. I just want like a few. Uh, okay. Plenty for... She said, how do you see classicism in the scene? Now, hold on one second. I saw this question yesterday and I was thinking, okay, like, is this in reference to like art, like the art history term, or is there another meaning to it that I'm not aware of? Classicism. Can you repeat the question? Classicism in what? In this scene, in the plant scene. Oh, in the plant scene. Okay. Like, I think she's referring to, um, yeah, classicism in terms of like, you know, the rich get richer and the poor oh, okay see poor. i knew it was a different meaning than i interpreted because it's also yeah. in reference to like art it's like an era yeah, okay. an era of art oh okay i don't know that but okay. yeah there you go um but i think she and i were talking in our live recently um you know some of the people with the most beautiful expansive collections are people that are wealthy and sure. they may not know how to take care of them um, and sometimes the people who are the most knowledgeable, blah, 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 you know, have very small collections and, you know, comparison is the thief of joy or whatever. Sure so it is. It's hard to not compare, you know, on Instagram, a platform where all you do is show off your awesome plants. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know how to tackle that question. I mean, I, I would like to say it's bad that there's classes in this world and that there is competition. Um, but it's also human nature to compete and compare, I feel like. Well, the fact that the 
this dynamic exists in society sucks. We're all well aware that there's a 1% and then there's the rest of us. But um, I doubt that even these uh, really uh, huge collections are even in the 1%. But I did say something um, on an episode that I actually was felt self-conscious about and was re- kind of regretting. I said, you can tell a lot on Cactus Update. I said, you can tell a lot about a ma- man's income or a person's income uh by looking at their collection. And I sounded like a bitter bitch when I said that, to be honest, <laughs> because it's like, you know what? If I had the money, I would have it. I would, mm-hmm. I would have yeah. it, you know? And, and that's the only reason why I don't have these other things. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see, you know, and it does make me envy as well. And I compare myself on oh, my greenhouse isn't nice. Cause it's a hoop house and they have a real one. And, you know, yeah. I don't have the nice aerial carpets or the nice, whatever, you know? And then I start talking shit on those species because I don't have one. <laughs> yeah right yeah (laughs) yeah you know and that's just like how it is and i think we just have to constantly remind ourselves it's not a competition it's not um you know i've had people dm me saying like oh i'm gonna have more zichuensis than you and like not as a joke and i'm like okay that's nice that's gross yeah i'm like that's that's nice okay good luck yeah and it's like i don't know what the point of that was but i just have to remember that I like them for my own reasons, you know, and it's not a competition. Well, let's touch on that real quick, too. This is a question that that Selegna Soul, shout out to David. He said that every guest should have to answer this question. And CSG answered it yesterday. Um, And I have a response for it as well. What what is your your worst and best experience with the online plant community? That's good. Um, Yeah, I'd say my best um my best experience trying not to be cliche would just be like you know like meeting people blah 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 um I guess one of my favorite aspects of it is being able to like post in my story hey I'm looking for this species Mm. and getting like seven people DMing me like oh let's trade and I'm like oh there I go you know I don't even have to do anything else I think that might be one of my what might be the best part in my opinion and that also connects to making friends mm-hmm. um i'd say the worst part um it's hard to say um it also just kind of depends like in the cactus world there's you know poaching is terrible mm-hmm. um but i think if someone accidentally buys a poached plant they feel like they get kind of like canceled you know and mm-hmm. i feel like it's a learning experience um so i think maybe just like the seeing that yeah, just like, I mean, like, I totally agree. We should only buy cultivated plants. We should only support, you know, cultivated sellers, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, but just seeing the kind of nastiness and um, I just think the cactus community is not as friendly as the soft succulent community. Yeah, just. <laughs> yeah, um, I've seen the attacking and the piling on. And then we talked about yeah. this in the very first episode of this podcast that it's not it's not right for people to like pile on and attack. Instead, we should be educating them. You yeah, know? exactly. So that wasn't a direct answer to the worst part. But I think the competition, like we were talking about a few minutes ago, and then also just the overall attacking instead of educating. But that's a worldwide lesson. So similar to the thing that we talked that you were telling the story you were telling me before this about the message you got, I got a message when I first started doing this podcast, maybe two, three episodes in, and this person, I will not name them and I don't even remember who it was, but they said, (laughs) uh, they said, it's funny. 
I just realized I've been listening to your podcast and I just realized I know so much more about plants than you do. And I expect like, it's so funny because I thought you were like supposed to be a, an expert. And I was like, Oh my God, I may like ruin my day. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even respond. Okay. I don't think, but I was like thinking in my head, like I never claimed to be a plant expert, you know, no. certainly not. And it was just like this really rude backhanded message. But anyways. yeah, I don't even know why they thought their opinion had to be known. But <laughs> I mean, I, that spoke more about them than it did you. So right. that's like, sorry. <laughs> Let's move on to the next question. That's our only drama selectness. All right. Uh, Shop by Genus. Hi, I'm a big fan. Hi, Maddie. <laughs> Thanks, Maddie. Big fan of you. We love you. All right, uh, Maddie, what's the most overrated cactus overrated cactus um gosh i feel like if i answered honestly you'd be mad at me copia poa cinerea <laughs> what copia poa cinerea oh my gosh well if we look at pricing absolutely those are overrated but in my opinion right now i'm just not into the tall column like ones that I know that you grow, mm. you know, like San Pedro, mm -hmm. all those kind of, but ones. are they overrated? Because it's actually a lot more niche. I feel like, you know, it is. I mean, I, in my opinion, I think it's overrated because I don't appreciate them. You know, mm -hmm. I'm sure if I grew more cacti or lived in an area where they grow more, I would appreciate seeing them get that tall and stuff. So, okay. Maybe that was less, that no, was I'm more not offended. You're okay. You can think they're overrated. I, I okay. respect that. But if I had to think of a different one that was overrated, I think a lot of astrophytums. Me too. Oh, yeah. Like the ones that, um, Asterias, mm -hmm. I just see the same ones being sold by the same people hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. And I'm just blind to them now. They all look the same. See, I'm one of these people when it comes to cactus that I only want one of each cactus. I'm not one of those people that does like a hundred of the same kind of cactus, except for Trichocereus. That's the one thing I grow a lot of. But the reason why I love it so much is because it grows so fast. One of the two feet per year, you know, it duplicates wow. over and okay. over again. You cut it and it throws you five pups. It's just something about it. I don't know. When I was a kid, I fell in love with it. And also I like the psychedelic aspect of it too, you know. But is that the like genus this, of San Pedro? Yeah, the Trichocereus, okay. yeah. Is that the one of the ones behind you, that tall one? Oh, this is a Bolivian torch. It's actually a baby cutting that I just got from my friend, and he painted this pot to Psychedelic Ninja. Shout out to Marco. He he made the pot, and he sent me the plants, so I put them together. But um, yeah, Is that the same genus? or different? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, a, it's a Bolivian torch, Trichocereus bridgesii. Okay. Fancy. Yeah, thanks. All right, let's see. Succulent love affair. What is your most desired or wish list succulent currently unavailable in the U.S.? Mm. Well, hi, Stacy. Um, gosh, okay. Unavailable in the U.S. would be um, either Echeveria crispate um, beauty. Is that what it's called? Crispate. Yeah, crisp. I think it's called crispate beauty. Oh, I don't know. It's a variegated Echeveria lila. Not variegated. It's a mutated Echeveria lila ocina. Um, they're very common in South America. They're pretty, but uncommon here. And apparently they are not very strong. Like mm. they're a weak hybrid or a weak mutation. Now, when you say um, mutated, is that, sorry, is that like bump? Does that mean like uh, like monstrous or? Yeah, it has like these really ruffled edges. I can show you there. It's, um, you know, monstrous has a million different meanings. 
but uh, this one gets really ruffled edges when the pure species does not. You know, yeah, crispate beauty. Let's see, like, I don't know if you can. Oh, it's. Yeah, I can, I can see it now. Out, if you hold it there you go. Yeah. Okay, that's so beautiful. Like yeah. Um, and then another one I like is that's not available here is Echeveria Concrete Jungle. It's a hybrid of arguably my two favorite species, Echeveria zichuensis and Echeveria runyoni. Do you have any houseplants? I do. I used to have a lot of houseplants. Um, a lot of them might have passed away from purposeful neglect, but <laughs> I still have some. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, also, I heard you say something about the carnivorous plants earlier. I love those. I actually have a, a bog that Kimihashi made for me with That's the awesome. little container. It's cool. It keeps it wet. I don't have to water it. I just pour I feel like water. you posted that recently, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I, I love them. They're cool. Interesting. Awesome. I want to get some more, though. I saw yours are pretty... You got quite a bit, right? I I have, like, less than 10. Well, that's um, a lot to me. Yeah, I definitely want more. You know, it, I just think they're so special and easy enough for me. And they grow near you. Yeah, that was, like, the main... Like, you know, I grow succulents. No succulents grow here. Mm-hmm. And so seeing Venus flytraps in habitat blew my mind. And I was like, that's it. I'm, I'm trying them again. Do you guys have any cactus and succulent in habitat there? None that grow natively. I mean, yes, there I have seen, you know, cacti, mainly like prickly pears planted in your yard that Mm -hmm. somehow survive frost, but nothing native. Yeah, some of those are pretty hardy. Uh, That's interesting. Uh, It's pretty foresty then, more like. Yeah, there's lots of, you know, shrubs, evergreens, native grasses, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Are you at a higher elevation too? Are you in the mountains? My college is in higher elevation in the mountains, but I live in um, what do you what do you call in between the beach and the mountains? It's a uh, something. So no, the valley. I don't know plains. Yeah, it's something like that. And so, um, but in the higher elevations, you do get some like fun orchids and stuff. Oh, native. cool. Yeah, yeah. I wondered about how like a vanda would do outside in your area. Yeah, you could do it for a few months, like spring and summer. Okay, and then you bring um, it in. Yeah, it's like we're very similar to Florida during the spring and summer months, um, you know, and you can grow almost anything outside in Florida. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to have one that I had the roots like wrapped around it. I had an avocado tree, and it mm-hmm. was holding on to the avocado tree. It was so cool. I loved it. So cool. Yeah, their, their roots are just amazing, the way they just fall. Yeah. If you put any kind of wood or medium near it, they'll just find it and just kind of grab so, onto it. It's trippy. So can we spend the last 10 minutes looking at plants? Can I see? What do you have sure. over there? Let's see your setup. Yeah, I just brought a few. Okay. Um, let's see. This is one of my favorite species. Um, let's see. I think you can see it okay. Totally. This is Echeveria unguiculata. Um, I think that's how you say it. Um, so it is a species is found in the wild. Um, it has a very unique form. Most mm-hmm. foliage on Echeverias does not look like this. It's, you know, this is very slender, long and pointy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's also called the devil's claw cactus because it gets kind of um, red coloration. Let's see if I can see. You can kind of like see they have some oh, yeah. red. Tips. Cool. I think you can see that. Uh-huh. Um, and this is a selected form. So um, it has particularly fancy dark tips um but a lot of them aren't this attractive in my opinion 
Um, so this is one of my favorite species just because it's so unique. Mm -hmm. um, if, you know, hybrids have their own beauty, they're really colorful and full of farina, but I think species are just, they have, they're so unique. Mm -hmm. um, and then recently I've been getting into the bumpy and frilly echeverias, you know, since like end of 2020, um, yeah, like the fall and winter, I've been getting into them. Um, they're all hybrids, basically. There are a few bumpy and fairly um, pure species, mm -hmm. but most of them are hybrids of Echeveria gibiflora, which is a species. So this is a heart's delight that I beheaded, and you can see that it made two babies. And so um, let's see, you can see like this is a big bump on that leaf. This has a bump on this one. Mm -hmm. um, so I just brought this one because I, I like thought it, it was a fun demonstration of beheading now how, how the where would the parents be found in habitat on a plant like that yeah so well the ones like in the habitat species would, yeah so the parent species um so a lot of the gibiflora hybrids like this are made by um a few big names so like this one is made by dick wright mm -hmm. um he's a 93 year old in california mm -hmm. and he spent his whole life making these wonderful hybrids that we have um and so he would know or his family would know um so i have called him and asked him like yo what is the parent of this hybrid um and so some of them are known um and then some of them are not known mainly because um you know, he's one of the biggest names in Echeveria. Mm -hmm. In 1985, his nursery burned down. I think it was because of a wildfire. Wow. And they lost everything, including documentation. So wow. uh, I have a few hybrids of his that, you know, the only reason we have them again is because he sold a few out. You know, thankfully he did. Mm. And so they could give it back to him and he could make it again. Um, So the hybrids of a lot of these bumpy and frilly um. I mean, the parents of these bumpy and frilly hybrids you can find online or by asking other collectors, pretty much, which that's with anything, I guess. I guess but what I was asking is, like, where do they naturally come from? Originally? Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, so, Echeveria you know? gibiflora. Yeah. So, Echeveria gibiflora is the main parent of all these bumpy and frilly hybrids. Mm -hmm. um, like, this, I can't remember the two parents off the top of my head. I have it written down somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, it's a hybrid of a hybrid of a hybrid. Okay. Um, so if we wanted to go all the way down to Echeveria Gibifor, it is from Mexico. Okay. The exact location, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, but I believe there's three forms of Echeveria Gibiflora. Um, and Gibiflora is an amazing species. It's super variable and it's being used in birth control research. Wow. And it's it's shown to be very effective as male birth control in um, stopping the movement and um, like speed and viability of sperm. Super interesting. I love that. Um, yeah. And this is an uh, Echeveria. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, there's somewhere in Mexico. Don't cool. know the exact. That's cool. Sorry. I love knowing like the history and stories behind plants. So. Yeah. And then I just brought three little carnivorous plants to show as well. Mm -hmm. Um this my favorite genus of carnivorous plants right now is um, Drosera. It is the sundew genus, also known as octopus plant. Um, so they're smaller and wet, but let's see, you can see oh, well like that's water cool, all over my laptop. But wow. so this is a sundew. Um, it's very I'm dripping water all over my laptop, mm -hmm. but um, they have these um, tentacles on their leaves that are. 
on top of the tentacles, they have these little glands that create mucilage, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And so on the top of their glands, uh, or on their glands, they produce both um, digestive enzymes to break down any bugs they catch. And um, I believe it's sugars and nectar that attract the bugs. So um, a lot of bugs like going to sit on plants um, to drink the nectar, like the morning dew, the Mm -hmm. sundew. But on this plant, it's not actually sundew. It is instead a trap and they get stuck and they think they're going to drink some water, but instead get digested. Wow. And so then this is a, that was... Drosera spatulata, um, and she just finished blooming, actually. And then this is Drosera madagascarensis, um, smaller, looks like a little tree. Um, and I just got that one in recently. So it's young? I, is it young? Yeah, that's, I'm sure, less than a year or so. Okay. Um, sundews are really good at, let me just dry my laptop, gross. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um Drosseras are really good at um, propagating. They some species make a lot of seeds um, and offset a lot. Mm. So eventually, I'll be able to divide my carnivorous plants to make more babies. And then this is another species, same genus Drosera. This is Capensis, also mm-hmm. known as the Cape Sundew, and um, these leaves are longer, obviously, and they still have little tentacles. So the tentacles are little red things Mm -hmm. and um, they're sticky and these guys actually move their leaves. So you can see like this one's all curled up around a bug. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And so um, some carnivorous plants move, some don't. Uh, And sorry, as in um, their leaves literally change shape to trap the bug better, you know, like Venus fly trap closes this one curls um so that's more like active trapping versus passive where like a pitcher plant is just like open it's like come on inside i'll eat you um and we still don't know exactly how these plants move um i was reading like pretty much the best theory for venus flytrap is they think that it rushes um water in and out of it or it rushes like ions in and out of its water cells so to close the traps, but it, there's still a lot to be discovered around these guys. And yeah, you, know, you said, can you hear me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You said uh, propagation. You were talking about division. Is that is that the best way to propagate those? Yeah, I think it's dividing. Um, they naturally create offsets, and um, some like the sundew genus. They also um, will create little plantlets off. The roots, so if you grow in a pot that has little holes, like an aerated pot, they can grow plantlets through that. But then also leaf propagation is super easy with these guys. Um, I guess that would be the best method um, because um, some are, you know, like this obviously does not have a lot of leaf up to it, um, sure. but some, some do. And you can chop up the leaf in multiple spots and place it in water and it will create little babies. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Which, unlike in Echeveria, if I were to do a leaf propagation, I would need the completely intact leaf. Um, But for those, you can just so you can't do portions on on Echeverias, like a portion of a leaf. You need a whole leaf. Yep, and like the the base of the leaf where the the leaf meets the stem Mm -hmm. has to be perfect. And so, 
I've made a lot of mistakes where I'm trying so hard to carefully remove a leaf and snap it and it's a ruined. Mm. So, mm. Yeah, it's just the oh, echeveria pretty much most echeverias grow by leaf. Um, the Gibby flora hybrids like the bumpies and frillies don't. They um, mostly propagate by beheading or the bracts, which are the leaves on the flower stems. Now, beheading is cutting the the middle of the plant out, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, like this, it was pretty easy to behead this because I had a nice long stem. But it might be harder to behead this because I can't get my fingers in there. Mm, yeah. You know, I would I would use fishing line if I were to behead this. Um, but this one, I could literally just take scissors and go. And so that's what I did. And that's why, like, this is where the head was. And that's why there's two babies growing off of where the head was. Mm. Um, So one plant turned into two. And then if I wanted to, I could cut the babies off and it would make more. Cool. I'm learning, man. I actually, you know, I'm not really too much into succulents. (laughs) So that's awesome. And you're incredibly knowledgeable, Joseph. I think that, uh, I think that, that you can have a lot of information that you can offer to the listeners and, uh, we should do this again. I Thank like you. To. Yeah, I love. And I know you really like ethnobotany, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just finished an ethnobotany course, and so I feel like you know I could have a good discussion on that. As well. I was actually going to ask you if you were studying botany as well, because our horticulture. Yeah, I'm studying environmental studies, um, but focusing on ecology and more specifically, like botany. Very cool, man. Yeah. I'm going back to school at 31 years old. That's I'm awesome. Hope, I'm hoping to do something similar, but I'm also psychology as well. Um, okay. Well, this has been lovely, and I enjoyed your company, and I think you did an excellent job. Is there? Well, thank you for having me. This uh, is fun. Of course. Is there anything that you'd like to plug? What I know you have a website. You sell. You you sell some things, right? Yeah. Occasionally, I will sell a few plants. Um, normally, it, I give lots of warning. Um, I do sell like merchandise um, where mm-hmm. part of the proceeds go to protecting the Sonoran Desert. Um, you okay. can find that in the link in my bio. I do also have a website with some blog posts of commonly asked questions. Um, but yeah, I'm Coco Geek Plants, so you can find me on Instagram. It's where I mainly post. Cool. All right. Coco Geek okay. Plants, everyone. It was fun. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Joseph. If everybody could please like, review, and subscribe to the podcast and hit that share button. It helps me a lot. Thank you. Bye.